This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, November 7th in 1837. The Reverend Elijah P. Lovejoy was shot and killed by an angry mob who were trying to destroy his secret printing press for his abolitionist newspaper at the Alton Observer in Alton, Illinois. The death of Elijah P. Lovejoy at the hands of a pro-slavery mob shocked the nation. Slavery had been in America since the 17th century, and in fact, the Constitution mentions slavery, albeit to say that the international slave trade should be abolished by 1808 when it actually has to refer to slaves themselves. When discussing the census, it merely says all other persons. Yet Elijah P. Lovejoy, a white man from Maine who had moved west, dying at the hands of a pro-slavery mob seemed to be a flashpoint in people's understanding of slavery. By the 1830s, the fact that slavery was a Southern institution had become completely hardened. In the 18th century, slavery was allowed in almost every colony in what would become the United States. But there were always more slaves in the South. Partly this was economic. Cash crops that relied most on the cheapest labor possible and free and exploited is in fact the cheapest labor possible were better utilized with slavery. Therefore, slaves came in numbers to the South throughout the 17th and 18th centuries. And by the time America had achieved independence, slavery was peculiarly Southern in many ways but not completely so. However, by the 1820s, the slave trade was abolished internationally by the U.S. Constitution, mostly the South, really running along the old Mason-Dixon line. So from Delaware to Maryland, Kentucky, southward were really where slaves were, and it had taken on its own flavor. Chattel slavery in the South was not just based on race, but so completely categorized all black people is less than that even free blacks in the South were really just above being slaves again. And it became almost a moral point for slaveholders when the Missouri Compromise took place in 1820, allowing Elijah P. Lovejoy's native Maine and the state he would later move to as an adult, Missouri, both to come into the Union. The compromise was simple. Missouri would be a slave state, Maine would be a free state, and they would balance each other out. But the complications in the Missouri Compromise came because Missouri would seem to open up slavery to all future territories. The compromise was that the 3630 parallel, the southern border of Missouri, would be the northern border for all future territories in regards to what could and could not have slaves. And that is the situation of slavery in America when Elijah P. Lovejoy moved to St. Louis from his native Maine in 1827. He had gone to Waterville College, what would become Colby College, and while there, had actually been the headmaster of a high school, seeking work and education, he then became an ordained Presbyterian preacher at the Princeton Theological Seminary in New Jersey, while also running a newspaper, the St. Louis Observer. Initially, it was simply anti-Andrew Jackson. Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, had reshaped political parties in America. His particular brand of widespread democracy among white men and an opposition to Whig policies was something that Elijah Lovejoy settled on. After he got back from Princeton Theological Seminary and resettled in St. Louis, 
the St. Louis Observer took a turn. Not only was it a political paper now, but it also would have screeds against Catholics, of which St. Louis had quite a few. Lovejoy also would write against liquor and gambling and various other vices, and seemed generally to write things that would anger many other people. But the thing that most got people to hate the Reverend Elijah P. Lovejoy were his anti-slavery views. No mobs of Catholics rose up saying that his writings on Catholicism were so bad that his press needed to be destroyed. Saloon keepers did not rise up and try to end the St. Louis Observer because of what he wrote about alcohol. But many people wanted to see his press destroyed because of his abolitionist views. And they were successful three times while in St. Louis. He would have his printing press destroyed and his paper seemingly on the brink. Therefore, the Reverend Elijah P. Lovejoy moved across the Mississippi River to Alton, Illinois. When he first went to Alton in 1836, it was a small town, but conveniently in a free state and had a position at a Presbyterian church. Yet Lovejoy once again started up a paper, now the Alton Observer. Both St. Louis and Southern Illinois had odd relationships to slavery. St. Louis was a trading city, so it had people coming and going all the time, and it had some abolitionist networks. But it also was in a slave state. Southern Illinois, by contrast, was nominally a free state, but sitting essentially between Kentucky and Missouri, very close to slave states, it had many pro-slavery people. And in fact, many people were angered at the thought that Alton in some way should be a sanctuary for escaped slaves. Lovejoy, though, almost seemed to take this as a chance to become more radical. He tried to set up the Anti-Slavery Society in Illinois. The Anti-Slavery Society had been founded four years earlier by William Lloyd Garrison, the radical Boston abolitionist. The Anti-Slavery Society did not just merely want to say that slavery was wrong, that morally people should not own other people. Instead, it called for the immediate abolition of slavery and the emancipation of all slaves. This was seen as yet another radical step. And when Lovejoy tried to gather anti-slavery people in the fall of 1837, pro-slavery advocates started following him around, including the Illinois Attorney General Usher Linder. In many ways, it could seem like Lovejoy was marked. He certainly was under constant threat. He had had his property destroyed multiple times in St. Louis, and now he was threatened in Alton, Illinois. But what actually ended up happening to Elijah P. Lovejoy was still appalling to many people on the ground. A mob, and as with many cases of mob violence, no one knows who was part of it, came upon Gilman and Godfrey's warehouse. This was supposed to be the secret location of Elijah P. Lovejoy's printing press. Obviously, it was not secret enough to keep the angry mob of pro-slavery men out, and they decided to approach it and set fire to it. As they tried to set fire to it by sending one of the young boys as part of the mob, with a torch to go up to the roof, Lovejoy went out with his associate Royal Weller. They threw over the ladder, went back inside the warehouse, and then began exchanging fire. When Lovejoy tried to come back out, he was shot five times. He died on the spot. The mob would destroy the printing press by getting inside and throwing it out of a window and onto the riverbank. After making sure it was demolished, they then threw every piece into the river almost as though it couldn't be reconstituted by anybody. Lovejoy's death was news at the time. The district attorney in the area, Francis Butler Murdoch, did bring charges, but no one could ever be convicted. It was said that the judge had been present 
at the proceedings, and that members of the jury, including the foreman, were part of the mob. Every verdict was not guilty. And yet, apart from the judicial system, Elijah P. Lovejoy's death would have serious consequences for many people. Lovejoy became one of the first martyrs of abolitionism. In the 1830s, there were many people throughout the North who thought that slavery was the peculiar Southern institution, and as much as they might have moral problems with it, they thought it was fine. Mob violence taking place because of slavery and resulting in the death of a white man seemed to be something different entirely. Furthermore, abolitionism was able to have a martyr. And Elijah Lovejoy's brother, Owen, then became one of the key leaders of Illinois' abolitionists and helped with his other brother, Joseph, to write a memoir of their memories of Elijah P. Lovejoy. This would go on to have a profound effect on many people. And although widespread abolitionism never really took off until secession and the Civil War. Abolitionists remained a force throughout the 1840s and 50s. And Owen Lovejoy was able, taking up the spirit of his brother, to work with many anti-slavery men throughout Illinois, including, most notably, Abraham Lincoln, to whom he became a major political booster. But those were the kind of things that had to serve as memorials to Elijah P. Lovejoy initially. People were so scared of the mob reforming and harming people that there was no funeral service for a minister. He was put in an unmarked grave. No one actually bothered to find his remains and put them in a marked grave until 1860, a civil war was about to break out. And no one actually put up a full monument until 1897, when a massive statue would be built on top of his grave. The death of Elijah P. Lovejoy could be one of many instances of mob violence in the 1830s. The Mormon church was kicked out of a series of states in the 1830s and 40s, basically with similar kinds of mobs. William Lloyd Garrison himself had not been harmed in the same kind of way as Elijah P. Lovejoy in Boston, mostly because the Boston mayor had put him in jail for his own safety. And yet Elijah P. Lovejoy's death stands out. Lovejoy was persistent. He was constant. And the very act of publishing an anti-slavery newspaper was seen as so hostile that he was targeted for violence multiple times. And it was only when clearly going across state lines, being threatened repeatedly, clearly was not getting him to shut down his newspaper, an angry mob came and killed him. And although that did result in the death of Elijah Lovejoy, his brother would pick up his work. People would make Elijah Lovejoy a hero, and in many ways amplify the work and life of Elijah P. Lovejoy because of the nature of his death, which is what happened today, November 7th in 1837. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and leave a review because those are the ways you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure, and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, please go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.